0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au uh, As Sam Kirkpatrick makes his way up here now, uh, just Sam is a, um, a student, a teacher and a missionary. Um, He teaches at a high school, uh, teaches clarinet at a high school one day a week. He works for Global Mission Partners part time and is studying at Stirling College part time as well. Uh, He's been married to Rachel for four and a half years um, and he's been working with Global Mission Partners for the last 18 months, I believe, is that correct? So Sam, thank you for coming across to Horsham. No worries. Thank you for being a part of our World Changes Month and uh, we look forward to all that uh, you speak to us and encourage us and cheer us on with today. So welcome Sam, please. Thanks everyone for having me here today, it's, it's a great opportunity for me to come and share with you a little bit about what Global Mission Partners do um, and, and who we are. I'll get to that um, shortly. It's, it's also been nice to get to know a few of you as well. I came on the Friday night, um, I've been staying with Jordan and Katie and, and enjoying the time in the Grand Pins. It's, it's always um, always more beautiful there than you think when you make the effort to, to get out. I... Um I'd like to start with a bucket. When I started my role with Global Mission Partners, I discovered that a bucket is one of the most useful props for, missionary, uh, for, for mission and ministry, you've got mission, ministry, confused. Uh, ministry and, and preaching that, that, um, that I've come across some, and I think you could probably get one of these. Um, people think I'm going to pass it around and collect money, which is not the case. Sometimes I think we approach mission and we think about mission as if we start with a bucket full of cash or resources. And we think that, um, well, this is a good opportunity to share what we have with others, to give our resources to those who actually don't have. This is a a hard reality of life. Some people lack what we have in abundance and and it's great to be able to share uh, what we have been graciously provided with. That's one view of mission. Another view of mission is is that it begins with an empty bucket. Perhaps you've been overseas on a trip or um, come to a service wanting to hear new things and we empty ourselves and we come with fresh perspectives and we take back to our communities and to our families. We take back new things and new experiences um, that have changed our lives and opened our hearts in a new way. That's another good picture of mission. But I want to Uh, give you another image today, which I'll I'll be talking to, and that's to turn the bucket upside down, to put it in the dust, and simply to sit beside our neighbour. Because when we sit down, and when we listen to another and share our lives and share in the lives of another person, this is how we learn to become a neighbour This is how we start to become involved in a meaningful way in the lives of other people. and This is how we start to learn how to serve other people. I've done a little bit of work up in Arnhem Land, in the Northern Territory, and I know you uh, support some people there doing some work through MAF, the Mission Aviation Fellowship. And in Arnhem Land, uh, there's a language, a fourth-generation language now known as Creole. It's the only language that has a complete translation of of the entire Bible, uh, which was finished about 10 years ago, the Creole Bible. And in Creole, there's no word for exist. And so when we get to John and uh, the passage in the beginning was the word, there's no no expression for was, to, to be or to exist. Um, and so the Creole Bible phrases it in the beginning, the Word sat down. I think that's quite nice. And it leads on, and the Word became flesh and sat down amongst us. This is a beautiful picture of, of the relationship um, between God and His people through Jesus Christ. This idea that the gospel is this loving relationship. Of God, And this relationship with God opens up all sorts of new life-giving and creative possibilities for the way that we relate with others. I think this image, to sit down beside another, is, is very much a picture of what mission looks like. And probably as you know, as you go home and eat lunch and as we share communion together today, when we come together and when we sit together, all sorts of things happen. We start to hope. We start to hope together with one another. We start to experience joy and community with one another. And the most important thing, I think, is that we start to tell stories. We start to tell stories like a family through mission. I think we're all storytellers as well. And today I would like to share with you a few stories about what we do collectively as Churches of Christ. These are just not abstract stories about what happens out there, over there, with missionaries working on our behalf, as it were. It's not just stories about activities or statistics. When we share stories, we're also participating in good news. We are living in this story of God who comes and sits beside us. And in our stories and in sharing uh, in the stories of others, we're really living into this expression of good news, which is at the heart of Christian faith. It requires creativity. Because you're involved, because each one of us are involved, the way we share stories and the way we share our lives with others in mission is a creative practice. So perhaps as you listen today, I hope that some of these uh, things that I tell you just enrich your understanding of what mission is um, in new ways. Very briefly, uh, probably because a lot of you haven't heard of Global Mission Partners before, perhaps you have, that's good. If you have, um, Churches of Christ have been working collectively um, to contribute to projects and, and people in mission Uh, for over 125 years together to do things that as individual communities we're unable to do on our own. And and a lot of our funding today comes from individual churches and people. Um, But the most important things are the relationships that we've had with with various communities throughout Southeast Asia, India and the Pacific and now into Africa uh, that have been sustained throughout the generations uh, of people involved with Churches of Christ. We work with a phrase we know the locals. you probably see that on our advertising. Um, it's a phrase that we take very seriously, we know the locals, because one of the, the, one of the things we uh, try and set apart as a distinctive of our work is, is that we don't work through consortiums or we don't work through agencies overseas, but we work through the local church. We're in connection and in partnership with uh, Churches of Christ in Fiji and Vanuatu, in Vietnam, in South Sudan, who are implementing projects on the ground that the local church is called uh, to do. I'll share about a few of them later. Um, but very much we know these people, we hold them in our prayers, and a lot of these relationships are sustained by churches within Australia. Churches um, who have a connection with a particular project, a particular minister or a church overseas, and that and that relationship is a sustained uh, through many years of, of connections. The other thing that we do, and, and since the 1970s, there's been an, uh, a push in, in church mission um, which has got to do with this indigenization process of mission. Rather than going overseas to do things on behalf of other people, we work to empower people uh, to do things they're being called to do in their own local context, and that might mean that rather than sending Australian expat workers overseas, um, we're working with leadership training, we're working with resourcing uh, programs and church planning initiatives, or even just uh, simply sharing financial resources. I'd like to share a passage with you uh, this morning that continues to build an alternate picture, or a richer picture of of what mission might be. And as I read this passage from Thessalonians, I want you to consider the tone of this letter, the kind of character that Paul uh, is expressing in what he writes, uh, as he writes to the church at Thessalonica, a church that um, he was involved in establishing uh, some years before. Let me read. You yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully mistreated at Philippi, as you know, we had courage in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in spite of great opposition. For our appeal does not spring from deceit or impure motives or trickery, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel, even so we speak not to please mortals, but to please God who tests our hearts. As you know, and as God is our witness, we never came with words of flattery or with a pretext for greed, nor did we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others, though we, may, we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nurse, tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God but also our own selves because you have become very dear to us. We also constantly give thanks to God for this, that when you received the word of God, you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word but as what it really is, God's word. Which is also at work in you believers. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Yes, you are our glory and joy. When we think about mission, and when I put the question to the youth group on Friday night, what's the first thing that comes into your head about mission? We, we think about the Grand Commission at the end of Matthew, perhaps you know it, something along the lines of, go and make disciples of all nations, baptise them and teach them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. In Thessalonians, we come to a different, slightly different picture of what mission is, an idea of mission that doesn't immediately come to mind. And I think in this passage we get a sense of what perhaps Matthew was on about when he said, go to all nations proclaiming the gospel. In a way, this passage is also the first chapter of our story as the church because this letter uh, of Thessalonians is is the very earliest document that we have that makes up uh, the collection of documents that's in the New Testament. And in this chapter we get a snapshot of the life of the early church as it spreads beyond Jerusalem. What I find most surprising here is the tenderness that comes across in these words. The proclamation of, of Matthew and the Grand Commission is bold and ambitious. But Paul writes with a warmth that shows us what this vision to be a missional church might actually look like in practice. It's a very intimate picture of the sharing of hearts. Let me remind you of his words, and and perhaps uh, these are quite appropriate uh, for Mother's Day next week as well. We were gentle among you like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you, that we determine to share with you not only the gospel of god but also our very selves because you have become very dear to us when he speaks about proclaiming or spreading good news paul chooses a very interesting word too he uses the word speaking he doesn't use the word preaching telling proclaiming, he uses the word speaking and and this is very much the word that gets used uh, throughout the New Testament to talk about chatting, sitting down next to someone, gossiping, just person to person in everyday life. Go and make disciples of all nations, chatting to them, gossiping the gospel. If this is what proclamation is about, then this is something that we are all empowered to do. Each of us, not just speaking with fancy words, not proclaiming from a soapbox, but, but chatting, speaking from our hearts in everyday words wherever we find ourselves. We're not just on about explaining the gospel either, not just about uh, unpacking it with biblical interpretation or going through the context. But when we're speaking the gospel, we also do it in the words that we use every day in speaking to bring good news into a situation, in speaking to encourage people, in speaking hope into someone's lives, in speaking generosity, in being thankful for what we have, to speak with gratitude. The spread of the good news of Jesus Christ is very much relational. And this is why this relational gospel is why we have uh, sustained this gathering known as church. This is why we bother to remember these letters and to keep sharing these Bible stories. Because in these words, we overhear a conversation between friends who are committed to each other for the long term, who are hanging in there together, who desire to visit one another and who who want to hope and dream and encourage one another. More than that, though, Paul's love for the church and individuals at Thessalonica gives meaning uh, and beauty to his own life. He says, you are our glory and joy. Can you say that about the people that you support in mission and and the, the people overseas with whom you might have connection? You are our glory and joy. In you we discover the beauty of life and in you we discover the beauty of God. Listening to the tone of this passage, I think we also learn that mission is something bigger than just our activities. Paul puts our activities and concerns to one side and Our ideas of mission as just heading out into the world to do things. Mission very much begins in who we are. You might remember the story of Martha in the kitchen. Martha, who was busy in the kitchen, in a flurry of activity, getting things ready for lunch, doing the dishes, sprinkling icing sugar on the sponge cake. But Mary, in contrast, was in the sitting room, She was calm and unflustered and and she sat on a bucket at the feet of Jesus, her long black hair slipping gently around his ankle, the aroma of expensive perfume filling the air, sharing in the character of God, in the expression of God amongst us. This is where mission begins. And if we start here, All the activities, all the concerns, all the energies of mission just happen. They just extend naturally. Activities of care, concern, speaking, sharing resources, encouraging, all these overflow from from our experience of the love of God and of his love for us. So you might like to ask yourself, when you think about mission... Where does it actually begin? Why am I doing this? Where might my life and relationships be enriched as I deepen my relationship with God? I'd like to share with you now just a few stories of some of the places and some of the people with whom we uh, work. This, these are, Consider these as your family stories as connected Within Churches of Christ. Bangladesh is is a wonderful place of many, many people. It's a very densely populated country. Um, The most densely populated uh, city in the world, uh, in Dhaka and and, um, the busiest train station in the world looks like this. But in Bangladesh, in a largely Muslim population, about 15 years ago, we got in contact with this group of people who are calling themselves the Bundabun Hills Churches of Christ. And through uh, a developing relationship, we've been able to uh, support them in, in church planning activities that they've done. Not only um, are they working as Christians uh, as a religious minority in a Muslim country, but uh, this network of churches is growing up among indigenous. Hill tribe people uh, in Bangladesh who are also uh, an ethnic minority in a largely uh, population that is largely Bengali people. It's a very poor, poor country. The minimum wage is five dollars thirty per week. Uh, that's translated into Australian dollars, so that's about under fifteen cents an hour. Um, so, any resources that we share goes such a long way. A dollar a week, a dollar a day is is a huge. Uh, input into uh, this economy, and um, the the, the fellow who directs this uh, congregation, the local that we know, is is Varna Borm. And, and over the last ten years, Varna's planted seventeen churches, and baptized over nine hundred and twenty members. The way he does this is is he travels by um, boat up the rivers, and up into these tiny little uh, communities in the hills. He has to hike up and he carries things. Um, One of the gifts that he's able to bring to these communities is is just very basic medicines like Panadol, and he he stocks up and he carries a backpack full of uh, things like Panadol and um, sneakers and things and heads up into the hills. And this is where he's establishing these house churches, which then uh, turn into uh, bigger communities. And one of the things Barna talks about in his approach to church planting is adaption, And and he uses the... Uh, image of a a PowerPoint adapter, one of those things that you take when you go overseas. And he says unless you can plug into the local culture, unless you can sit beside people and share in their stories and eat their food with them even if it's some strange entrail soup or something um, and really get to know them, that's when you learn how to serve them. And through uh, these connections, vana has been able to establish all sorts of uh, things and projects that that are a benefit to this community. Uh, They've got a pharmacy, like I said, um, but they've also established these uh, hostels for for girls and and boys who have having to walk 30 kilometres down the hill uh, to school so they can stay somewhere during the week and not have to walk back and forward. They've done all sorts of things like established pig farming for um, self-sustaining income and the funds that these pigs raise actually go to supporting um, numerous evangelists that the church has... I told the youth group on Friday night actually, pig farming is as much to do with the church as, as what we do on a Sunday morning, is something to think about. So very much through um, working with local people, uh, we're able to identify ways that we can um, serve and love a community that's beyond the local church, but also that gives the, the church um, a real tangible purpose and meaning. Uh, to grow and to, to love the community around them. I know that you su- support uh, some children in Thailand, quite a few, um, so I thought I'd share with you what's going on in Thailand with Churches of Christ. Um, our main focus in Thailand, aside from some chicken farming, is to support church leaders and, and resource church planting in a province that's just northwest of the capital Bangkok. And we we work together with Churches of Christ in Thailand to do this. And one of the um, focus um, points that they've identified is to outreach to the local uh, Plang community, which is a minority group uh, within Bangkok who are not recognised by the government. Now, the Plang people came from Myanmar or Burma about 30 years ago in the 1980s as refugees to work in the garden centres and especially in orchid farming and, and they're known as the orchid people. There was a lot of conflict and there still is between Thai people and these Burmese ethnic minorities and you've probably seen a bit about the Rohingya people um, at the moment in Burma but the sorts of persecution we're talking about is um, sort of low level government oppression and harassment but but also um, communities where houses have been burnt down and this sort of tit-for-tat um, I don't know what you call it, aggression or harassment on that sort of level, crops being destroyed and that kind of thing. Um, Today many people are continuing to migrate and work in these um, orchid farms that supply the the markets in Bangkok and they're very much working on minimal wages. They don't have any paper or citizenship uh, status or anything like this. So the local church is working to outreach to these communities Um, and in 2017 we started supporting... Uh, a number of women leaders within this community to to attend Bible college and and work through a three-year program there. Um, The fellow that we work with, uh, who's the director of Churches of Christ in Thailand, is is a guy called Prasit. Um, And Prasit was a former chef, which is a fantastic job uh, for, for a minister to have. And he gets up early on a Sunday morning and starts to cook for everyone in the church um, and this is a great chance for the playing people to come in and just have some relief from, from their hardships and sharing in the community meal, uh, listening to a message and playing uh, things like soccer and badminton with the church. So very much there's uh, many opportunities for churches like yourselves to get involved, in, in even on a very basic level, just connecting and corresponding with, with churches like this. So um, something that you might like to consider uh, over the coming years. Uh, Yes one of the other benefits of, of being in connection with churches overseas uh, and, and and sustaining these connections as a network is that when there's an emergency situation such as the um, uh, cyclone that hit Fiji a few years ago uh, emerge we have direct uh, links into providing relief and development um, funds uh, through through the churches on the ground and um, this fella here, I was lucky to to go to Fiji last year and meet him, and he's a Hindu fella. And um, I don't know if you know, there's also ethnic tensions in Fiji between Indian Fijians and uh, Hindu people. Uh, sorry, uh, Hindu ethnic Fijians and um, the Fijian population, which is largely Christian, um, and all sorts of issues to do with land and and and. About 150 years ago, the British had brought the Indians to Fiji to work on the sugarcane farm, farming. So they're very much a, a bit of an underclass in Fiji, uh, very poor. And this Hindu fella um, had saved up enough money to buy a block of land, this vegetable, vegetable farm that you see him in with his wife. And uh, he, he bought this farm and there were some Fijian squatters on the land and they refused to leave. And one morning when he was walking to work, they ambushed him and broke both of his legs. And this is a sort of a typical story um, of these ethnic conflict between um, people in Fiji. And uh, when the cyclone hit, just after he had this happen, he was unable to replant his farm. And he couldn't work for a good year, so the church was actually able to come in and, and help him uh, replant all that. Um, but it's a good example of, of the sorts of ways that people are uh, touched by the local church where there isn't government support and there isn't necessarily community support around them. Um, but when there is a crisis or when there is something like a cyclone, the church is able to step in um, with, with all sorts of supplies and tarpaulins and things to help out. Um, so when, when there's a disaster, we've currently got an appeal out for the um, volcanic eruption in, in Vanuatu Um, keep us in mind because that is one way to channel uh, some funds if you'd like to give to those causes. And the last thing I'd like to share with you is just a little bit more about our Indigenous ministries within Australia. Within Churches of Christ we've had a long-standing involvement since about the 40s with Indigenous communities and the Indigenous church. And a question I often get asked in visiting different churches and speaking with ministers is how can we actually get involved in engaging with the local indigenous community? It's very much the case that all of us hear stories of violence and poverty and and all sorts of social issues. We have a lingering sense that something is not quite right in some sort of way between relations with indigenous people. But where do we actually begin? What do we actually do about that? Something that I've discovered through my own friendships in Arnhem Land and and also um, the work of the Indigenous Church in Melbourne is that perhaps the most important thing you can do, perhaps the most important thing we can do as a church, is simply to value Aboriginal people where we encounter them for who they are. No strings attached. It sounds very simple, but it's actually quite significant. not to set off with an agenda, to want to do something, to fix something, to sign a petition, but just to get to know people. To go to an event, uh, perhaps around here also, to go and visit a cultural centre to find out if there is an Indigenous church because there are often lots of house churches uh, hidden around the place, um, and just visit. These things are not insignificant and they're very highly valued Um from those who you're getting to know. Every year, um, to this, I guess, to this end, we run a bit of an immersion program uh, that that runs to Tweed Heads in New South Wales. If anyone's interested, come and talk to me afterwards. Um, it's a great way to get to know uh, a bit more about Aboriginal culture, but it's also a great way to see a really interesting church. Program it's run through the local Bundjalung community who are a Christian uh, group in New South Wales. And um, at Tweed Heads there's been this traditional role of a lifesaver in the community prior to settlement um, and there's been this role for an elder to look, overlook the waters of, um, of Tweed Heads. And after settlement um, this man called Jurikai would sit on the hill and look out for all these white fellas who'd be coming down from Brisbane to go swimming in the late 1800s. If you know anything about Queensland history, it's very, very significant that in the late 1800s, this guy called Jericho was awarded an official government commemoration medal for a number of daring rescues that he performed at sea. And This was at a time when there was a curfew on Aboriginal people being out over dark, um, and when many white people did not want to even touch an Aboriginal person. And so today the Christian community is is taking on this this legacy of of care and concern, Um, and they've established this surfing event, which is a a National Surf Titles. And it's a a way that they've decided that they will be present within the local community as the church. And so if you're interested in volunteering at this event, uh, it's a two or three day trip. You can drive up to New South Wales and, and just volunteer and participate and do some immersion things with the local church. And finally, a bit closer to home, up near Mildura, near Dairton, there's a, a youth and community centre that also welcome visitors and, and if you're passing through that way, please go and have a look at the work that's going on there. Um, we support uh, Brendan and Amy Gartlett in ministry and chaplaincy and their family up at Dairton. And this community is about, this local school is about 90% Indigenous kids um, very troubled in terms of all sorts of uh, long-term entrenched issues like alcohol um, and violence. And about every day after school there's about 20 kids coming to connect in at this centre. Um, they're doing cartooning classes and, and gardening and all sorts of positive things that just aim to break a bit of entrenched Um, mould around behaviour and all sorts of things like that. So look, this is a place that if you wanted to organise a trip and and visit, um, even go up and run a holiday program or something like that, there's all sorts of opportunities and I'd love to talk to you. Um, I'm just going to pass around a sign-up sheet for our news. Like I said, um, one of the reasons the church exists is to share stories and I think if you're interested uh, in, in hearing some more of these stories Uh, Once a month with our newsletter, which is um, produced by a great team, Um, please pop your name down on this list. Thanks. And there's just an envelope there. If you'd like to take one, feel free to um, do so if you'd like to contribute further to our work. I'll just leave you now with a few words from Philippians, um, which I think beautifully sum up the connection between relationship and gospel. It's from Philippians 2. You've probably heard these before. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love or any common sharing in the spirit, if you have any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Thanks for having me today.